Usually when we talk about youth that have issues here in BC, it's to say that there isn't enough help or support. Well, it turns out in one area, that might not be the case. It's part of the latest very interesting report from BC's representative for children and youth that highlights one part of the youth justice system that might actually have a surplus of resources and says those could be used elsewhere. Gotta wonder, how is that even possible in this day and age? So let's find out about it. Dr. Jennifer Charlesworth is BC's representative for children and youth and joins us now. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Simi. So what did you take a look at in this report? It was really interesting. Just as you said in your opening, there are so many areas and we report on them where there's a a lack of services, there's a lack of opportunity to support young people. But in the youth justice area, there's there's a good news, bad news story. The good news story is that over the last couple of decades, the number of young people needing youth justice services by virtue of their involvement and conflict with the law has declined precipitously. So, for example, in uh, in 2000, there were 4,150 children that were um, needing community justice services. Now there are 800. In 97, uh, there were 386 kids every day in custody centers. Now there are an average of 15. So that's a significant drop. But since 2014, there hasn't been any change in the way in which youth justice services have been delivered. We still maintain two custody centers that are very well staffed for a significant number of children. But in the case of Prince George, some days there are no kids there. So we've been taking a look closely at all aspects of youth justice system and found very clearly that there is an overabundance of resources, and those resources, we believe, could be deployed elsewhere where they're more needed. Dr. Charlesworth, this seems crazy to me. The idea that there's this big youth detention facility in Prince George, that some days there's no kids in there, and yet at the same time we know there's you know, parts of Ministry of Children and Family Development where kids aren't even getting a visit from a social worker. Exactly. That's exactly the point. So why hasn't this been recognized before? Why don't we say, okay, this is overused. We don't need this. Can we redeploy those resources elsewhere? It's a great question. I think it's one of those things. Youth justice is not a big part of the Ministry of Children and Family Development. It's kind of a small piece of service delivery in a very large ministry. So perhaps it's just been there are other things that have been pressing. COVID has certainly impacted things. But uh, nonetheless, we decided we needed to point to, uh, we needed to illuminate this and encourage the ministry to take a deep look. And uh, we've provided all of the evidence that we found. There's nothing that they have refuted at all in any of the evidence that we've put forward. Um, and interestingly, when we shared a draft re- uh, of this report, it was shortly thereafter that they decided to close the Prince George Youth Custody Center. And just recently, they've announced that they're providing a grant to Clayley uh, Tanae, nation up in the north to do consultations about how to better serve their children. So there's good news. I think there is movement now. Right. But I I get a little concerned that, oh, they're going to close it. But what are they like? Are they going to lose those resources? Like we know that there's not enough treatment beds for uh, youth who have addiction issues. How do you get those back after you've closed it and lost those resources? Well, that's a very important point. What we have said is there is we are very, very adamant that those resources do not get, you know, just absorbed in general revenue, that these are redeployed to address those issues that are not being addressed in other parts of the system. So you mentioned mental health, substance use, 
Absolutely. And particularly in the north and particularly in custody. What you see for many of the young people is that they've got trauma, they've got mental health uh, challenges, substance use challenges that their families have. So back up the bus before they're involved in, in criminal activity and see what could be done to support them. So I'm encouraged. We've had uh, many conversations with uh, folks, service providers in this area and uh, with uh, First Nations and Indigenous organizations, and they're excited about the possibility of redeployment of significant millions of dollars into better services, especially for kids in the North and especially for Indigenous children. Yeah, okay. So if you could single out one area, Dr. Charlesworth, that you say this, this is what we need the money for for children, what would you say? What? Can I have two? Sure. <laughs> Go ahead. Two. Take two. What is it? One is absolutely mental health services and through the lifespan and a a much better array of services. And then the other related to that, because they're often interconnected, is substance use because young people um, uh, use substances to numb their emotional pain. But then the other area that is, it seems like it's quite different, but they're often intersected, is uh, special needs. So kids with FASD particularly get nothing and they are vastly overrepresented in the in the prison population and adults so we see it in youth as well all right well thank you so much for your time on that today thank you very much simi that's Have a dr good day. you too that's dr jennifer charlesworth bc's representative for children and youth talking about her latest report was that not interesting the fact that the youth justice system is not as used as it used to be which is a good thing but they still had all these resources that were allocated to it that are not getting used so a surplus in one area not so much in others they definitely need to be reallocated for sure